Welcome to the On So Many Levels podcast, a podcast about collectibles, toys, games, and other fun stuff. I'm Chris. I'm Steven. Oh, and do we have some fun stuff today in news. Uh, let's kick it off with this Amazon bit. Not like it's a, a, it's not a sketch. Not like a sketch. Uh, Amazon is a sketch. <laughs> Amazon is considering malls for fulfillment centers. You want to elaborate? on that or is yeah, that really it's, all the it's pretty much all it is they're talking to uh forget the name of the company like simon or something like that it, they're apparently the large i assume the westfield family was like the largest mall yeah owning company in the country but i guess it's uh, another company but they're talking to amazon about their vacant spaces and turning them using them as fulfillment centers for cool. amazon um that's probably actually kind of awesome for yeah. people because that means same day shipping will probably be available to basically everybody that yeah. lives within a few miles of a mall. I don't know and how potentially more jobs. Exactly. Right? More jobs. And Just, I know people have their <clears throat> their grievances, but everybody yeah. has their grievances with large companies when they start to get too big. Um, uh, and I mean. But realistically, who else would fill in for Amazon? Or would fill in the malls. Exactly. There's a lot of malls that are empty right now that are doing nothing. It, well, and they usually... I mean, uh, not talking about COVID situation, no. but just malls that don't have any business in them anymore. Malls have an inherent problem. They used to be a place that you could maybe be... That you could maybe... <laughs> <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe that you could maybe uh, open up like a niche or boutique shop or something like that and sell stuff. And yeah, you could do. But they are so prohibitively expensive to lease. Yeah. That it's like and so much shopping is being done online. And, and you would hear from shop owners and stuff about like the terms and stuff they'd have to they'd have to get into and the demands yeah. that the mall owners would have on them for their space. And you're just like, oh, my God goodness i yeah i think this is really good i think it's good for malls too because it's also depressing and i don't want to do anything or go shopping and when i'm in a mall anyway when i go in there and half the stores are empty it yeah. just feels wrong and it, i just want to leave i'm weird. uncomfortable yeah that's how it felt in uh the spokane mall yeah the, oh the one way yeah yeah. Was, yeah that was not it was it was <laughs> not a fun experience weird yeah. All right. Well, I guess second bit of news, because there's really not much else to say about that other than they're taking over some malls. Uh, Whoa, easy. <laughs> taking over. <laughs> Hostile takeover yeah, of some that's malls. that's harsh language. Uh, doctor Disrespect is a Not streamer. an actual doctor. Right. You're <laughs> not a PhD. Unaware of. Uh, he's a six foot eight streamer uh, who was recently banned on Twitch and then a month later came back to YouTube, which is where he originally started from. Did a stream for 24 hours, which was nothing. It was just music playing and had as high as 400,000 viewers. Yeah. Ridiculous. Which was, and I think all of us at least looked because I saw yeah, the, yeah, I yeah. saw the um, message. I was actually watching a Twitch, uh, somebody else's Twitch stream. They were playing Modern Warfare and they're like one of the best players in the world. So sometimes I like to see like, how they just like strategies yeah. and stuff. They use how they throw like knives that. across the map. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and I was just watching them. They were playing in like a big Canadian tournament or something. And then somebody well, obviously in the chat was being obnoxiously yelling like docs back. <laughs> and then like other, and I was like, wait, what? Oh yeah. So I looked and then I went and went to the YouTube channel and was like, 
I probably sat there for on the channel for about 10 or 15 minutes while you saw people's cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching while they're subscribing for $4 yeah. a month or whatever it was. And I was like, what's going on? And when I got there, this I think it had just started and it was at like around 250,000 viewers. Yeah. And then it was, you could just see it like must have been like 5,000 viewers a second. And it, it dropped. Climbing. I mean, overnight it was down to like 20,000 or something, but still 20,000 people watching just music. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, it was like, music. I'm pretty sure it's his own music that he's had made. Yeah. And it was a cartoon or 3D render of a Lamborghini Countach at a gas station. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, well, we watched when he finally came back on. Um, I we, didn't. I, that was Chris <laughs> yeah, and sorry. else. Uh, I watched it for a minute trying to understand what was happening, but it was so frenetic and cringy and honestly just kind of dumb listening to he wasn't saying anything important he was just very braggadocious which is his character That's I guess. His, yeah but it was just like i think everybody was there to be like hey what happened where have you been and yeah like i'm sure that got addressed i can't tell you because i didn't watch it like i watched five minutes and had to turn it off because like this is just everything obnoxious. i've seen since like this so regardless of opinions on the whole market and enterprise uh, that is twitch and facebook live and and uh, google and google and reddit live YouTube. and youtube yeah. this is a pretty big deal because he was their biggest draw he had signed a multi-year multi-million dollar contract with them and to take your flagship personality and just ban him just a perma ban just wiped him out immediately refunded everybody's subscriptions and then obviously in the days i say obviously but it's probably not that obvious in the days following he said well twitch is not uh hasn't informed me why this happened i don't know if they're required to i don't even know if that's the truth um and then just kept basically going on that didn't know why and he would post things as teasers about really like make people think he's coming back or he's doing something, yeah. but it never got, it's still never been addressed. And now he's with YouTube. I don't know if he'll ever address it. Yeah. So, I mean, really, I guess it doesn't matter in the it, long and short of it. Right. Yeah. That's what he wants. The only reason I think it does matter is because Twitch, when you're getting rid of your flagship personality or property, whatever you want to call it, People want to know why you removed them. And it's just a strange thing not to address it. I mean, you don't see in sports where like a player gets banned or right. they get ejected or something. And then the league's just like, we no, don't know. No comment. <laughs> we're not, we're not informing. I mean, Twitch did say they're not required to inform anybody of the reasons. And that's understandable, but he's not just anybody as far as Twitch should. is concerned. Right. But the public should be able to know this. So that it, you kind of get an understanding of where Twitch lies, like where their values are. Right. And this. Well, so yeah, if they banned it for something that they know about that maybe the public doesn't, that we would deem, you know, you, we don't want to watch him after that. Exactly. Maybe we should know. But. Because there was a wave of bans for um, harassment and sexual harassment and things like that. Predatory Pre behavior. Yeah, yeah. Previous to it by other uh, relatively high profile streamers. Yeah. And 
it's not so instantly he did. It is unfair to him that he did get actually kind of lumped into that at first. But then some other people that were inside are saying, no, it's not related to that. But it just but happened. Really to be, yeah. He was clearly yeah. disturbed at the end of his final stream before it just shut off. So right. that was kind of weird. And then I whole thing came out that it was somebody who claims to be an insider and out of information, whatever that means, uh, said that they a high criminal element was involved here. But again, I would like to, if there's a large criminal it's element, mustache. yeah, if, if, <laughs> if there's a, if there's like a major criminal element involved, I would like to know because I don't want to support people who are ethically and morally compromised and just right. don't really kind of share similar values. I'm sure we'll least. find out at some point. Yeah. Right. Um, not sarcastically. Yeah. Right. But I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, that's pretty, that's it. Pretty long week on that one. <laughs> like it's I, just, I, it's strange that there was so many people still back to the original point, 600,000 yeah, people watching nothing. Yeah. But it goes to show you like the celebrity impact that some of these yeah, people I have. I just got to grow a mustache and yeah. get six foot eight. Like then the kid, like I say the kids, but the people like fans just waiting like, oh, I can't wait. It's like Justin Bieber right. fans like, oh, I don't care about Justin Bieber. But, you know, they would do like they would probably hold their breath underwater for Justin Bieber <laughs> if that's what it took. So, I mean, it's like cult status. It's exactly what it really is. It's kind of gross. Um, well, on a lighter side of things, a Suicide Squad game was announced by Rocksteady. Uh, normally I wouldn't be super excited about Suicide Squad anything because it's just been a lot of... And I wasn't until you told me it was Rocksteady. Stuff, but Rocksteady so. does some great things, so I'm sure it's going to be more comic book based Suicide yeah. Squad and hopefully has nothing to do with that movie that I still haven't seen, but... As long as Jared Leto's in the know. video game, I'll be happy. <laughs> he's <laughs> just such... Team. Yeah, he's just the gold yeah. standard of a good dude. Yeah, great Joker. Yeah, right? great. The best. Joker... If you guys can't tell, weird. It's Probably can't. Dripping with sarcasm yeah. here. Uh, Not a great Joker. <laughs> no. Uh, and also, we'll, we'll get to the last bit of news. Uh, Trump to potentially ban WeChat. So everybody's aware, I imagine, at this point. Uh, Trump is trying to ban everything. And specifically, there's the TikTok ban. Like, like trying to right. force somebody... Bill Gates commented it. He's like this, his words about the, even the TikTok thing was like Microsoft acquiring TikTok is a poison chalice at this point as well, because it throws them heavily. And WeChat's being essentially threatened with the same thing, which is you better sell to an American company or else. Yeah. And then he's also concerned about Microsoft purchasing them and then also having to actually doesn't seem to think that it's a bluff. Or that Trump means anything other than what he says when he says that the Treasury Department should get a cut of the deal, That's which ridiculous. is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, but he's like, Microsoft entering into the social media space just creates an entirely new challenge of things they need to be aware of. And I know this isn't directly just with the WeChat, but I'll just segue anyway into some of the problems just anyway with this whole situation. Uh, if you don't know, and maybe. Some of you people actually use WeChat right now, um, if you're not stateside especially. You can't do anything in China without WeChat. Yeah, so it's a must. Since companies like Apple 
they manage their they manage their app store. They have complete control over their app store. Google doesn't, so it's not a problem for Google. It, somebody can put the app up. It's fine. Google's not responsible for it. It's a, basically an open source, for lack of a better term. Um, Apple, though, where China is about 15% of Apple's revenue, which a company like Apple, it, that is massive. I think it's on like $44 billion. Yeah. Um, if you take away WeChat from the iPhone, Apple will not sell another iPhone in China. Yep. That's just it. Because if you can't use it, your phone is basically a paperweight. Yeah. I mean, you do everything on WeChat in that country. And I'm sure there's people in the U.S. that, especially so you, in the U.S., that use it too, right? exactly. Yeah. You pay for it. You hail taxis. You you pay for your your trains. And you pay for your food. You stuff, pay for your right? grocery. Everything. It's your social yeah. media. You get your news from it. You get government information from it. Whatever that's supposed to mean there, <laughs> but uh, government misinformation, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's it's just we could try and compare it to things like Facebook and Instagram. It but doesn't even compare, yeah. doesn't even touch like uh, how much of a part of people's lives it is there. It's I mean, it's like your social security card. It's so that your, would essentially make it virtually impossible to travel to China then as uh, like a U.S. citizen. Right. I mean, if you can't use their main form of payment for anything, I well, mean, you know, you went. There, well, for so. for Brandon and I, it was a it was actually a huge problem when we initially got there as it was we flew in had to get a cab which was almost impossible because then we had to have that cab driver um who didn't speak any english which no fault of his own i don't expect anybody to speak my language when i go to a foreign country right um but we had to talk to somebody who did speak english that person could then write down the information on like a piece of paper or something like that hand it to the cab driver and give that to the cab driver so that was a fiasco of spending i don't know probably must have been like three hours or more trying to get money to pay our cab so we couldn't get wechat the only way you can get wechat when you go over there is somebody who has an account has to essentially invite you to it right like a sponsor yeah and so yeah. brandon had one but he got locked out of his account for unknown reasons i was then able to get one got mine up and then my account got locked for unknown reasons and it was very bizarre but it made things really difficult because we had to draw cash there's also a problem with when i first started when we first got there neither of us could draw cash on our cards from atms and we went looking all over town in the middle of the night for atms the cab driver was driving us everywhere looking for atms while also not having any idea what either party was talking about or saying <laughs> If we'd had WeChat, it would have been a non-issue, period. Right. We would have just paid him. He would have had our address, drop us off. We're good to go. Um, but, and that was the thing, even just going to the store. Uh, people just expect you to pay for everything with WeChat. Like, cash? Oh, why? Well, okay, we'll take it. But um, getting a cab, we had to grab some other third-party app that's basically their Uber. Um, I forget what it's called, but everything just would have been easier. Yeah. With, did, did that ever get sorted while you were there or were you guys locked out? the whole No, time? we were just locked out the whole time. Weird. So it was, so next time it was, uh, maybe there's like a review process or something. Like it takes a certain amount of days before it can activate or something. Well, and I think Brandon's was actually active before we got there. 
and then it actually just it just got locked like immediately and i don't know why it, it might be chinese security measures that they have on their networks that have something to do with it i don't know right uh, maybe our mac addresses triggered something i have no idea i'm just pretending to have any kind of insight as to what <laughs> would have caused it but it was really tough yeah and that's a huge deal and it's also there's still a lot of people in the U.S. that use WeChat because they have family in China or they live in China and they're here on visas, on student visas, work visas. Right. And you're basically taking away their ability to communicate with their family and friends in China because their family and friends in China cannot access things like Facebook. And it's huge, huge implications. And then also if... A company as big as Apple, what it can do for somebody like that company's stock prices can have a huge economic effect globally yeah. when you're taking away 15% of their business. It's pretty bizarre. So when can we ban Trump? Uh, tw <laughs> November 12th. Is that right? November 7th? Whatever election is. We should probably know when that is. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Let's actually, let's, let's, uh, let's get that number correct. November 3rd so is November the presidential 3rd. primary. <laughs> Yeah, so vote. Get your ass out there and vote. God damn it, on yeah. the third vote. Just vote responsibly. <laughs> we're not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Vote we're responsibly not and just yes. vote. Just do it. Yeah, actually, I don't really care who you vote for as long as you vote. That's the biggest thing. Just vote. Vote. Go out and vote. Yeah. Vote. 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 Can't say it enough. All right. Um, let's talk about the main course. So we're going to call it now <laughs> the, <laughs> the main, main, the, the main the bit, meat, the middle. Yeah. The meat in this potato sandwich. Mm. Is that a thing? Potato sandwich. I probably I put potatoes on a sandwich. Yeah, I not? put everything on a sandwich. At I like this putting point. fries on, on burgers, mm, fries That's, on burgers, sand, burgers potato kind of chips sandwich, on sandwiches, right? fries and kebabs. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Potatoes can go on a sandwich. Done. Yes. It's right. point proven. Uh, we're going to talk today about the saturation of the collectibles market. I guess collectibles and toys, it all kind of runs together. Um, it could extend further into video games as well, I guess. There's kind of a saturation of types of genres of games. And oh, stuff there's like a that. huge saturation um, of video games. But realistically, when it comes to collectibles, what we're talking about is companies and IPs. Um intellectual properties if you don't know what ip means um there's a ton of companies making statues go back in time 10 years there was not a ton of companies making statues no there was like four there was like four main companies yeah. and then you had a couple of relatively small niche companies that were kind of filling the vo the gaps of some right. like maybe anime ips and stuff that weren't terribly popular globally but had enough yeah. of an audience but there just wasn't a ton uh, and now there's a lot, which is not a problem. That means there's more stuff for people to buy. Uh, but what is a problem is when you have companies all over the world that are supposed to be getting licenses that pertain to the country they're in. For example, XM can yeah. legally sell their Marvel stuff in Singapore. If they were in uh, the U.S., they would not have right. the light. They wouldn't be making but the statues they make. I know a ton of people in the United States that buy XM product, which means their yeah. product makes it here. Uh and then you have Prime One and Sideshow. I definitely and have an XM Venom in my storage unit. I have an XM and you have it. Weapon X sitting right up there. Yes. Uh, I have a Prime One Donatello in the storage shed yeah. that's broken because it was shipped broken. But I feel like I might have something else I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but there's there's a lot of 
of companies that have similar or the exact same licenses. Um, you know, Thundercats, Iron Studios has a bunch of the same licenses that Sideshow has, that PCS has, that uh, Prime One and XM all have. They all have the same thing. They're all doing the same thing. And it, what's crazy to me is when they have, let's say you have these five companies or six companies that have Marvel licenses. There's like 3,000 plus Marvel characters, but somehow they'll all do a Wolverine at the same time or an Omega Red at the same time or a Cyclops at the same time or within at least the same like, you know, quarter. Or they'll make 10 Wolverines before they <laughs> make right. one other character. I mean, I'm I'm super stoked that Sideshow is doing a Taskmaster. Like Me that's as well. pretty awesome. Yeah. But then how long is it going to be until we get another technically B, like B character? Like yeah, they just I don't think do just, it. Yeah, I think so much of it's... I Unless I, he does really well. That's the thing. If he sells really well for them, then I'm sure they're going to keep tapping those like secondary popular characters. You know, but. and I think it's just the entertainment industry that's driving so much of this mm-hmm. anyway. Because yeah. with the Avengers movies... God, so much Avengers stuff. Yeah, Avengers... Um, you saw what happened to Deadpool collectibles after the Deadpool movies, yeah. like the Deadpool statues just absolutely skyrocketed in popularity. And yep. there were so many people that did not care at all about Deadpool. No. And then the movies, they were like, he's the greatest character that's yeah. ever been made, which is basically true anyway, but as it's always fan, been true as a fan of Deadpool since Liefeld made him. Uh, <laughs> like I used to think Liefeld was a good artist. Uh, we all did. Uh, and he is. Let's, I mean, he's got, he's got some stuff. He just can't draw hands or, or feet or, or muscles, sometimes muscles. Uh, but that's okay. That was a style. It yeah. Was it's a, a look. style and that's fine. That's it was a cool rude. look back. I got nothing against Rob Liefeld because I no. spent plenty of money on his comic books. That entire crew, the McFarlane, Liefeld, Lee, uh, Silvestri, all of them, they were awesome because they, they were so different. Liefeld's so, image stuff, I thought, was yeah. a, was the greatest gift God ever gave comic book <laughs> fandom at the time. <laughs> Granted, at the time, I was also yeah. the opinion of a seven, eight, nine, ten year old. Whatever. It's the but best prime of I life. Just, <laughs> I thought I was like, man, this guy. And I tried to mimic his drawing style. Oh, and, stuff. and then I got started to see other artists. I was like, whoa. Yeah. You get on that Jim Lee train real young. Yeah. Uh, Man, but, Jim Lee's <laughs> X Men from Night Uncanny. And, so or, good. Those covers were awesome. Anyway, easily get sidetracked on yeah. awesome comic book stuff. But the the main issue is just the, I don't necessarily think it's a problem that there's so much stuff, but it's going to be a problem. So what what's happening is there's only so many factories in China. Everyone thinks that that's there's just thousands of these resin statue factories, and that's just not true. There's maybe maybe 50 well and i don't think people (laughs) maybe i've been into the factories and it's not like you can you can't just have a statue making factory and then on the same assembly line be making easter eggs or christmas trees (laughs) or lawn furniture yeah it doesn't your factory has to be dedicated to that kind of production yep that's true and it, uh, the problem is you get a lot of these companies that all use the same one. I mean, we use the same factory as Blizzard and Tweeterhead and other factories or other companies. Uh, 
and I'm sure other factories might use Lucky as well. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good, what a business model. They just tell people that they're going to make it and send it over to Lucky. Um, but the the thing is, I, I feel like over time, the there's just new companies day in and day out. And they're small, but they're getting licenses out of nowhere, which blows my mind. It was so hard for us to get licenses at the beginning. Um, and now they're just being handed out like hotcakes and to I people. Think so much of it is just like any other business and unfortunately which is it's not always merit-based it's often right. relationships who you know and how much it's, money you got in your back yeah. pocket yeah uh but at some point there's going to be it's going to be a, a blockage there's going to be a, a bottleneck where we're just not going to get stuff out of china because everything is going to be just in production constantly because new companies or even customs, there's a ton of custom makers that are clogging up the the, the factories with yeah. their, their illegal runs of stuff. And uh, there's just a lot of it. And I think the other thing is it's there. There's a lot of the same stuff. You know, we talked about it briefly a minute ago, but a lot of the same things are happening from different companies. And that goes down to like action figures as well. Uh, there's multiple companies that were releasing items for the what would have been SDCC this year and they're like the same it was Ninja Turtles right and there's like three different companies that made Ninja Turtle action figures that were based on or remakes of the 1990s action figures which were my favorite by yeah the way. uh but haven't those also been remade several times since times. the 90s countless times I mean Playmates has done it themselves and they're the ones that did it to begin with like I don't understand why we can't make new stuff and why there can't be more than just the same 10 characters made in statues like but also it's not just it's not just that there's also just a lot of stuff being made by companies like what's no lie like everyone can see where we put most of our stuff up for sale goes for sale on our website and on sideshow uh we are definitely very good friends with sideshow and they support the crap out of us but we put up a statue on it went live for us last Sunday. It was Kevin Smith's birthday. It was the Jay and Tyler Bob statue. It's Great really statue. awesome. Go check it out. Amazing. It's really good. Um, Kevin Smith endorsed it. <laughs> yeah. He made an entire video right. for us, which we'll be posting. Um, but that went live on Sunday, and then we sent it to Sideshow to go up. It went up, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. And since that time, there's been like 16 to 18 new products that have pushed it down the page. And that's not like, I mean... It's no, I mean, what do you do with the new products? They're going to it's, do that. Yeah, but they get new products. They promote the new products. It's I mean, just what, crazy that in that amount of time, in just a couple days, there's 20 new things. And by this time, or, you know, by middle of next or this week, next week, whatever. It's going to be gone. It, yeah, it's not even going to be on the, the first three pages. There's going to be more things. Like every time I go to the what's new section of Sideshow, there's so much stuff from so many different companies. And uh and I know that's why they it's have nuts. like their newsletter and stuff like that is yeah, to get it out. Sure. You click on it, you see, hey, this is all the new stuff in stock. Um, but sometimes it's actually not that easy to really see what's new from the newsletter and to find right. something you have to search for it actively. You're like, I know that this just came out like yesterday, but now I'm having a hard time finding it. Well, in a sea of Batmans, it's really hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure on every page I click on, there's Batmans. And, and it's everywhere you go to BBTS, it's the same thing. It's just Batmans and Transformers. And there's another thing we were talking about as well with this explosion of product um, is 
similar to how we've been talking, what we've been talking about with 3d printing as well. It's so much more accessible for people who digitally sculpt 3d print or know somebody that can 3d print and make these prototypes and then be like, look, I made five of these. Then they go on the internet and they look at, they, they find a video on how to make a mold and, and cast things. Um, so you get a lot of people trying to get into it, especially with so many sculptors yeah. driving it. And then yeah. so many people that are, um, what is it? What do we call them that are facilitating the commissioners, the commissioners that's, yeah. the, um, not to be confused with the commish from the nineties, but just commissioners. <laughs> Yeah. Um, commissioning these and they just go around and look, it's like a, like they're like, I don't know, like talent managers or something just kind like, of, oh, you, I, you'd want to give I, I just mean, no, I just mean on the, where they think like, Hey, I can make you a star. Right. And, but really it's like, Hey, look what I made. But like, come on, you didn't make anything. You grabbed somebody's, yeah. you, you grabbed somebody's sculpt. And then n- not only that, you asked them to make the exact same sculpt with minor tweaks that somebody already created a year ago that was very popular and well-received in the community. And then you're reproducing that. So now you have end up with three or four versions of a custom that are basically the same as well. Yep. And as, as much as we're talking about like even mainstream, the customs also are a big part of this as well. Yeah. Because that did that people buy customs a lot. And so that also takes away from the purchasing power and the selling right. power of the of the retailers doing the license stuff. Yep. And there's already so much stuff there. And then the prices are just getting out of control now. Is yeah, twelve hundred dollars for a quarter scale. Yeah, a quarter scale. Yeah. yeah. So a quarter scale stat. That was the price. That was more expensive than I paid for a one third statue which was right. a great statue three years ago now, now let's let's be real here though like there you can still get quarter scale statues for reasonable prices from sideshow yeah sideshow I mean, most Cyclops of sideshows was like 500 bucks. most of sideshows quarter scale stuff uh has been very reasonably yeah. priced it's just these other companies basically xm and prime one that are just going up and up and up and it's not like they're i mean i Maybe this might be a little controversial to say, but they're not any better than anybody else. Like their sculpts are good and they use world-class sculptors. Uh, So does Figurama and so does XM and so does Sideshow. Everybody does. We do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how you get good work, but they're all going to the same factories. I know the factory that Prime One uses. And they're making more than than they ever did before. Yeah. That's the thing. The price is going up for them. And I understand people raise prices. Like Sideshow has raised prices over the years, but Sideshow's massive as well. So you also want to pay for your staff. You you need to be able to pay for for your company to grow in more areas. It's like any company that there's a lot of other things going on with the company spending money on that. But that's not Prime One. But that's not what's happening. And that's not XM. I mean, and they're they're big companies, but they're not big like sideshow. No, they don't they're not have hundreds of. They're employees. not a diamond select or no. or a sideshow type company. And you wonder, well, now you're making ten times more of a statue of a of a single run of something than you were before. And charging, and now twice. you're charging two or yeah. three times as much. Whereas that goes completely against the 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 traditional. 
grain of collecting in general, which is your price goes up as your edition size goes smaller because it's more expensive for anybody to ask for less things to like, you need to, I need a, uh, I need a factory to put aside some of their time to make less of these yeah, and they're going to make the less money. Yep. So yeah, they got to charge you more per piece because it takes away from things they can make a lot more money on. Yeah. Uh, bigger runs are always runs. cheaper. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is that if a company makes 5,000 of something, they are getting a discount from the factory for that number. Yeah. And that's not, that's not like we're giving away secret industry no, no, trade no. secret. That's just how and those discounts aren't, they're not small either. Yeah. It's not like a dollar a unit. I mean, it all can, of us do it by going to Costco. Yeah. The same thing you deal with, with it Costco. can go from, you know, maybe it starts at like, if you want to make 300 for a one fourth, it might be $200 to make at the factory. But if you jump to 5,000, that number might go down to $80 Yeah, for the same quality. The quality doesn't drop. It just takes them longer to produce it. But they're still producing. It's not like they have to produce all thousand, all one thousand or eight hundred of them at once. No, and, oh, I mean, they used to do it and, in batches. And, yeah, and I mean, they can they can still they yeah. ship you twenty five or thirty at a time or a hundred or right. But the other thing to look out too is don't be fooled by these companies that will put up sold out after you know a day or something. Generally, they do that to drive people to to go on their wait lists, and then they actually they'll sell that out over time. But yeah. That's a sales tactic. We've, I mean, everybody does it. It's pretty normal. Um, I don't know. I think the what's disappointing me the most is that people are paying those prices. Yeah. And it almost seems like companies like Prime One are just going, we'll just keep going higher <laughs> until, until they find a plateau where they're either getting less sales or no sales. And then they'll come back down a little bit and then they'll just level off wherever they find that, that sweet spot where 300 people consistently are paying 1350 for a statue yeah. that should be $500. And they'll just keep doing 300 of them. Cause that makes them a ton of money. Yeah. And this is the, a lot of us, um, collect things because they also, or people are buying things right now. I'll get that's what I was going to say is for uh, something else. Let's just go with collectors buy things and they have seen the pattern in the past, which is had I bought one of the original Hulks from sideshow right. for what, what $250 or yeah. $300 at the time. Yeah. Had I bought one of those and how many of those did they make? Like I don't 300 remember. probably. Yeah. So yeah. I don't remember exactly, but anyway, if I I missed out on that and I look at that now and I'm like, wow, it was aw- it's an awesome statue, but it's also that thing is worth the same thing with the doom and the on the throne. Right. Yep, that thing is worth an insane amount of money. It appreciated so well, also because it was limited and it was three hundred and it was and it yep. was a really good. I know people have their opinions because they're not modern. Uh, and the scale's weird. On, yeah. That's the other problem with the Doom, right? It's the scale's a little yeah. different and there's some sculpting issues, but it, I mean, they're, they're going for like 10 grand now. Yeah. And I think people see the same thing with customs as well. That's why you, you used to see customs like making 10, making 25. And right. then people were seeing like, wow, these are really selling out. I'm selling these for $3,000 a piece or 750 And then they saw people were buying them and they're like, well, now I'm going to start selling these for 4,000, I just remember one statue in particular where it was a whole, yeah, I, I don't want to say yep. it simply was, uh, just give me a price. But, uh, anyway, but, I mean that, that right there, that's a great 
<laughs> the problem with that piece was that was a Hulk based off of the original Hulk from Sideshow sculpted by the same sculptor. It was a, no, it was a blatant copy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It was a copy. And then it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty exclusive. Maybe, maybe I could sell one, but just let me know what you're willing to pay for. No. And I'm sure he made a ton of money off that thing. Oh, and I yeah. guarantee you Andy Bergholtz, the, the sculptor who, who made it did not. Make no, that he much probably, he maybe, I, I, I know this is just speculation and if he ever hears this, he might be like, no, that's completely wrong, but I would be willing to bet he maybe made what the commissioner made off of one statue. Maybe. I mean, Andy's, Andy's a pretty well-known I mean, he's a very talented sculptor. So yeah. he probably was like seven to 10, 10 grand, but like, okay, two. St- yeah. But <laughs> like you, when you think about it, the, the commissioner probably made a hundred grand off that, which is ridiculous. And also like these guys are, I mean, these commissions are getting out of control with the, the numbers that they're producing. Like, there's one thing like I'm all for people making custom art and selling it at low numbers. I know it goes against IP and stuff like that. And it's just, that's been that way forever because sometimes people just want, they well, want the thing to be made and it will never be made otherwise. Yeah. So they and, do it. And people are buying them. I know they want them for their collection, but they're paying a lot of money yeah. as well because they think this thing's going to appreciate really well and you've seen it with uh, even customs that you have that were pretty low run and you're like well I better get this because I don't have time to think about it because if I don't right. get something like this then it's just going to be impossible to get and on the, and, and on the second hand market which I mean it's already basically the second hand market anyway <laughs> but right um, Facebook groups yeah on the second hand market it's then going to be five times as much to get it and then yeah you go and see that it's not because somebody then produced almost the exact same thing a couple of months later that was maybe a little bit better. Oh, yeah. And so. Or you I, have the other groups on Facebook now that are hiring sculptors to copy sculpts. Yeah. To sell the STLs so people can print them on their own. Yeah. Which it, I the, think both parties who take part in that are bad actors. Yeah. The people paying the sculptors to copy and the sculptors who are agreeing Willing to, to copy, copy somebody else's. That's some bad acting. At least with they the Hulk, do that. it There's was no respect. I'm basically remaking something. I it was different. It past. wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, a copy. that was. This yeah. was exactly. That was much different than what what I see going on. It, yeah, in some it's of these other not groups. completely unrelated parties that are yeah. going copy that one. It was really successful. And I want to now allow people to have it. Yeah, um, I'm all for like sculptors making cool things and selling them. I think that's awesome. It's a great way to make a living as a sculptor, especially right now where people are at home, they're printing. Like if you make a cool beast statue and you want to sell the file for $25 a piece, you're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars. No. You're probably going to make like two grand or three grand, which is the amount of time you put into the sculpt anyways. So it kind of makes sense to do that. And for the most part, it's also not really in your right to make hundreds of thousands of dollars on right. that because you don't own that property. No. You don't have the right to that property. No, but I mean, if you, if you sold 25 of the file for yeah. 25 bucks or whatever, same thing on Instagram. Bucks. I don't, I don't have a problem with me, people making custom, uh, drawings and stuff for people yeah. like Spider-Man and they say, hey, it's 25 bucks. Great. He put in the time, he gave you something you wanted. It's not cutting into <laughs> anybody else's bottom line Look that owns it. Any convention that has an artist alley. Yeah. Like, those aren't none of those artists have the rights to sell the Wolverine drawings that they're doing, but they no. do it anyways. Uh, and it's totally fine. I mean, I feel like at, to some level, even the big companies like Marvel and Disney kind of turn a blind eye to it. 
but then there's those outliers. Yeah, that I are mean, it, it would cost them more land. in actual probably attorney fees, right? <laughs> and also in reputation to yeah. go after some of who are also a lot of them are their artists that did actually draw that yeah. stuff at some point. They just don't yeah. own the rights to it. Yeah. But uh, but this stuff with the the customs market and even the the um, license market is collectors are paying it's the fomo and yep. then I, i've done it in the past and i with like because i'm a big sports card collector and i what i see now is the same thing that's happened in almost every collectible industry and you're yeah. gonna have to go through it's at a peak and then you're gonna have to go through another valley where you just kind of temper these things back yep because collectors are gonna go I have this collection. I know I'm buying it for this reason, and it's not your responsibility to make sure that this thing's going to be worth more than I paid for it. Right. But you at least want it to be worth what you paid for it. Yeah. I and, mean, most of the statues that I have in my collection are not worth more than I paid for them. A, a select few are, but yeah. most of them are not. I mean, it, like, <laughs> they're just not. I mean, I'm looking at like, the sideshow Dr. Doom premium format standing yeah. up, right? He's worth what I paid for him. The Thor is the same thing. The Cyclops, the cable, the Captain America, the Sabretooth, those are all going to be worth probably what I paid for. And that's him. the thing. All I ask is that I just but, want my thing to be worth what I paid for yeah. it. That's hard when it's, and especially when you're putting $1,300 or $2,000 into yeah. something. That's you crazy. want it. It's not like it's something that deteriorates over time. I'm not buying a car that no. depreciates because I put wear and tear and miles on it. This thing, <laughs> a lot of all of my stuff sitting in boxes because I have no room for it. Yep. So like most collectors. Yeah. So, I mean, we have friends that have storage units that are just for just, just for statues, statues. Yeah. Um, and they toys. Have amazing collections, too. But um, I mean, dude, I think I have. I think I have a hundred Marvel Legends still in the boxes. Yeah, out in that storage, like it's it's normal. But I there's one thing. There's one parallel well, in the collectors industry. <laughs> there there's one example that I think is very pertinent. This this might not maybe everybody's heard of this or at least remembers at the time. That's at least in their thirties and remembers stuff from the nineties. So, company upper deck that makes cards. They've been making sports cards since forever. I mean, as far as I think really the 80s and 90s, they became known as like a premium place. They had good licenses from the from the all the leagues. Yeah, and way better than lower deck. Yeah, they, <laughs> they're no medium deck. Well, now they yeah. are lower deck because um, oh, really? they can't get licensed. So like, Oof. yeah. So now they've gone to other weird, weird strains so, Playing, e some other time. Cards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically. Um, so they made the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, the rookie card that everybody wanted. It was very iconic. It was worth a ton of money at the time. Yeah, but there was there was a perception in the world of collecting at the time, and just kind of an unwritten rule that rookie cards were rare. Right. That was it. Right. They were rare. Yep. But once Upper Deck saw the explosion of Ken Griffey Jr. and the demand <laughs> for his rookie card, yeah. they started, they were basically 
committing entire production runs to just making that rookie card. That's crazy. They weren't telling anybody about it. They were just producing it. And then they so were just shipping devalued that card. Yeah. They were shipping yeah. entire sheets essentially of just that card. Normally that would have several different ones. They were just manufacturing essentially that one card, sending it to maker, sending it to retailers and then trying to get them to essentially just the retailers didn't want to say anything because they're selling these things like crazy. And right. so it started to happen with everything from the eighties and nineties. And what sucks is like when you're, when you were a kid and that was like your, you, that was your prime of collecting. You didn't have the money that it like you would expect, or I mean that you do expect a kid, the boards, you just don't have that money. You spend your allowance on it and you get things at the time. You're like, cool, this is rare. This is, and then you get older and anything from the eighties and nineties is now basically worthless. If it doesn't yeah. have Michael Jordan's name on it, it's yeah. worthless. My Sean Kemp rookie card yeah. is worth like 50 cents. They were just completely overproduced. Yeah. And then they had to start going into the late 90s and 2000s. They had to start numbering everything. And Good. everything had to be serial numbered. Or they at least were explicit about this certain thing had a super short print or a short print run. Hmm. So... We're kind of getting that's where I kind of see statues are going to go as well, where it's like if you're just eating up everything right now on right. like you're then running in a situation where later down the road, if you don't have room for this or you want to refresh your collection, you're not going to be able to get the money you should be for a collectible of this high quality. Yeah, because that's the thing, too, even with at least with a sports card, it was just a picture printed on on cardstock. This yeah. is like a this is a. a legitimate piece of artwork that a lot of time and money went into producing. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I think that's, you know, one thing I, I do like about what we do is so far, everything we've made is worth more on the secondary market now, Yeah, which is really nice uh, because we make low runs. I mean, our first Frazetta piece cat girl was only a hundred units, you know, which is amazing. Uh, I think the last one I saw on eBay sold for like, 900 or 1200 we sold it for 600 when yeah we, we sold it um and we we're going to keep that going i mean our jay and son the bob was limited to 500 it's kevin smith and that yeah that's like the thing. That it's we, not like there's only 500 people that want kevin smith right we probably could have upped that number to 5000 yeah don't forget about <laughs> jason Hughes. uh we probably could up that to 5000 and lower the price a little bit and sold all of them but I think there's something to having only 500 available worldwide. Like it's not just in the United States So the whole world. There's only 500 pieces. You got to think over time, some of those are going to break. Someone's going to drop one. Yeah. And that number's going to dwindle. And hopefully, you know, five years down the road, that piece is going to be worth double what you paid for it. If you are one of the lucky ones who bought it like that's and they're going to come with a print. Hopefully it'll be a sign print. And I sure think that yet, most of those people don't even end up cool. selling them. I never sell no. anything. I just feel good. Like, man, this is cool. Like this thing's worth a, way more than I paid for it, but I'm yeah. not do. I'm not making money off of anything that I've ever collected because I don't no. sell any of that. But it's stuff. nice to know too. Like if you do have a pretty extensive collection, I mean, hopefully one day, if you need to, you could sell it. And that could be a hefty amount of money. Like, I mean, that's what funded my move when I was in my 20s to move across state and 
go to college was selling my comic books. I sold an Avengers number four. <laughs> Everybody out yeah. there just know that I made the biggest mistake of my life in my early 20s by selling an Avengers number four, which is the first appearance of Captain America. This is a Silver Age, true if you, story. If I can don't know that. And I, I got a witness. good price at the time. I got what it was worth at the time. Yeah. But that was God damn it. Before <laughs> anyone knew the Avengers movies were coming out. And that yeah. thing literally like went up 20 times. It became value. a grail. Like what yeah. we would call a grail now. And it was in really good condition. The guy who bought it from me, I guarantee you, made a lot of money off that comic. Uh, along with that, there was other really good comics in there. That or at least he's there, sitting but. there staring at it like, man, <laughs> this was a good purchase. You know, he was a nice guy. So I really hope he still has it. Or at least it did something good for him. It did good for me. It got me through college. Yeah, uh, it was a. I got a good chunk of change for it at the time, which again, oh my god, I just wish I had it now because well, everything that I have but... right now, <laughs> I do look because if it's like if I spent a thousand dollars on statue, if I spent a thousand dollars on a sports card or something like that as well, that's a big chunk of change for me. Yeah, but I can only I do it, but then because it's a collectible, and I know I right. really do count on, and this is probably. My problem is I do count on the fact that if I ever get into a situation where I have to, at least I can liquidate my collection or part yeah. of it to pay some, God forbid, I have to pay medical bills mm-hmm. or I want to pay off my student loans or something like that. Um, then cool. Then I can go to the one thing that I at least invested in. Like that was yeah. the thing. I I didn't pay 10 cents for it and expect it to be worth a thousand dollars. If right. I paid a thousand dollars expecting it to be worth $5,000 or $2,000 even, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and that's fair because the investment was, the investment was pretty significant. And so if you're going to go expect people to pay $1,200 for a statue, at right. least have the foresight to be like, this person also expects to get $1,200 out of this statue at some point. Yeah. I mean, a good example, uh, since we're on it, I mean, my XM Weapon X is not worth what it once was. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I think right now I could buy it for 2 or $3 cheaper than what I paid for it. Yeah. Um, and that's also part in fact because they made a 1000 of them, you know, or 999 whatever the hell they do, uh, which is just too much yeah and i think people when they bought these weren't really looking at the reason xm stuff was was so valuable on the secondary market is because they made what how many how many magnetos they make they make 300 or 150 i it was low i think it was like 500 i mean we can look yeah we can't memorize all these but we, it, what's we an, should. It's an awesome statue. Yeah, it's really cool. But I mean, it's, it's worth four or five thousand dollars because a thirty five hundred bucks maybe if you're lucky. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just kidding. They made eight hundred of them. Oh, they made eight hundred of those. Yeah. Wow. Never mind. I take that back. Yeah, I thought it was totally only wrong. like <laughs> I thought it was like three hundred of the the Magneto throne Sentinel hand. Yeah, eight hundred. Wow. But that's still, I mean, 800 is not, it's better than 2,500 or yeah. 3,000, you know, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit more than I thought they would, but they held their value for a reason. I mean, it's a really, it's a, it's really a beautiful cool. piece of, of, of uh, statue, but uh, I don't know. I think it's crazy. Some of the prices that some of these things go for, like I'm just looking now on eBay and 
it's making me sad. <laughs> yeah. They're very expensive. Well, and they stuff. were like when I got my Venom, it was, I had to buy my Venom from somebody else who was able to right. get it in. I mean, they live in Asia, so they already had it pre-ordered. So I had to buy mine from them knowing that as soon as that statue went up for pre-order, it was going to be sold out immediately. And they right. made, I mean, I think the Venom may made a thousand or something like 999. Or yeah. Something like I, I think a big problem too, with the saturation is that people get hyped up, right? Cause the statue's new. It's cool. It's awesome. They'll buy it. Then immediately a lot of people will put that up for sale for a little bit more than what it was originally for sale for people buy in at that price. And then you just wait six months and you'll find it for ridiculously cheap. Yeah. You know, or not, it's not going to be crazy cheap, but it'll be a couple hundred dollars less than what it was originally. And I paid a little bit more than retail for mine, but not too much. Right. Um, but I still didn't want to, but I really wanted the yeah. statue. And you're going to keep it. I was looking for a good Venom statue and it was really yeah. hard to find. I'm still looking for a good Venom statue. Yeah. I would like the, I would like the, uh, what was it? The maquette that was made. Oh yes. Yeah. The sideshow yeah. comic kit. Yeah. That those things made. are awesome with the J Scott Campbell series of Spider-Man at that time. It's really yeah. awesome, but that's really expensive. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Anything old inside shows expensive. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I think that probably covers most of the saturation of the market and our disappointment <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Um, if you guys have anything you want to want us to, to chat about in the future, just put it on our Instagram uh, or on our Twitter at level 52 studios. Uh, you can send us an email or whatever. It's all good. And you can bring up anything on the episode. You have an opinion about it. Yeah. Then let us know. We still want to know what people think about the things we're talking about as well. We're going to start bringing on some guests uh, in the next couple episodes. I think once we get to like episode seven or eight, this is number five. We're going to start bringing on some guests. Uh, we'll bring on some sculptors and maybe a special celebrity here or there. So. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this wonderful day and listening to us rant about the state of the industry yeah. again uh, in a little bit further detail. Uh, I'm Chris. Steven. And thanks for joining us. <laughs>